You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 14th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You of course find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll preview the Magic's upcoming game against the Charlotte Hornets, the last game before the NBA All-Star break for the Orlando Magic, and a very, very big one with playoff implications. Who thought we'd be saying that at, at in October at this point in the season? But we are. Also, go a little bit behind the numbers on the Magic's win streak and look at two keys to, to the Magic's success over the last few weeks as Orlando has now won six of their last seven games and, of course, their last four overall. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you all that you check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering your Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you come to expect from me here at Locked On Magic. Just, you can check out Locked On Hornets for the Hornets perspective as they get ready to host the All-Star Game. You can check out Locked On NBA for a national perspective. You can check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball as well to get your fantasy fixed too. You can find it all on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just go online, search Locked On and the team you're looking for on iTunes, and you'll have your team in your inbox. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Who would have thought back in October that we would be sitting here on Valentine's Day? Happy Valentine's Day to all the couples. We'd be sitting here on Valentine's Day talking about a Magic game with major division and playoff implications. As we sit here today, Orlando trails the Charlotte Hornets for the Southeast Division lead as well as the seventh seed by two games. A win on Thursday will put the Magic one game from the division lead at the All-Star break. November you, October you is pinching yourself at that thought because no one thought it fathomable. And sure, as 538 pointed out, probably correctly, the Southeast Division is one of the worst divisions of all time. Or the 2019 version of the Southeast Division is one of the worst divisions of all time. As I like to point out to people who are like, oh, why, why are you celebrating the Magic or 26 and 32? The playoffs are relative. If the, play, if the number that year to make the playoffs is 40, the number is 40. If the number is 38, the number is 38. You don't apologize for the number you have to reach or how the race develops. You just try to beat the teams in front of you. No one cares that the Kentucky Derby was run slower that year. They only care who won the race. And that's really what the Magic are in right now. They're in that race. They're, they've been kind of at the back of the pack, back of the crew, uh, running uh, to, to the lead or running into those playoff spots. And now they're making their little surge through the peloton, as to use a biking term. I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors here. They're using, they're, they're, they're making their little surge to get through the group, to get through the crowd and get to the front of the line, to get to that mythical space that is the NBA playoffs. And with a little bit more than a quarter of the season to go, we'll, we'll do our quarter reviews uh, probably a little bit after the All-Star break. I do like to... to tie those directly to when they happen. But with a little bit more than a quarter of the season left, Orlando is very much in the race. 
One game back of the final playoff spot held by the Detroit Pistons who lost to the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Two games back of the Charlotte Hornets, as I said, for the Southeast Division lead and the seven seed. And just a mere three and a half games back of the Brooklyn Nets after the Nets win over Cleveland on in triple overtime on Wednesday. Just three and a half games back of the sixth seed in the East. Buckle up, this is going to be big. And, and that's why... Thursday's game, in a spot that you typically see teams maybe look ahead to the All-Star break, lose their focus a little bit with the festivities and, and, and some vacation time coming in. That's why Thursday's game is so vital. There is no getting around this. The Magic play a very big, very meaningful game Thursday against a team they should consider their equal against a team that they are trying to catch and trying to pass. Like I said, you win the game, you're a game back of the division lead at the All-Star break. This is a very, very big and pivotal moment for the Magic, especially coming against this opponent. If you followed the Orlando Magic for some time now, the Charlotte Hornets have been the bane of this team's existence. Charlotte came into Orlando the second game of the season and won by 30 at on the Amway Center floor. Felt like a huge crash to earth after the big win over Miami. It felt like not a lot was going to change this season. Fast forward to Christmas Eve, the beginning of that long January road trip that really was a turning point in a lot of ways. Orlando raced out to an early 14-point lead only to get blown out again against Charlotte. In all, Orlando has lost 13 straight games to their division rivals from the Queen City. And if Orlando wants to make the playoffs, they got to find a way to break that hex. They got to find a way to win these games. Charlotte, peculiarly, has the one thing that always gives Orlando problems. And that, frankly, is a scoring point guard like Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker has had a field day with the Magic over the last several seasons. He's dominated them in just about every way that he could. I'm going to pull up the stats here because they probably are quite compelling. But Walker has just torn up the magic time and time and time again. Pulling up his splits here because I I do think they're worth mentioning. Against the Orlando Magic this year, So two games, not a huge sample, but in two games against the Orlando Magic, Kemba Walker is averaging 25 points per game, shooting 56.3% from the floor, 46.7% from beyond the arc, and has six assists per game. And he's doing this all in less than 27 minutes per game. That's this season. Last year, of course, against the Orlando Magic, he averaged 24 points per game. This shot 6.8 assists per game. And again, all, all four wins and all four blowouts. It's, it's not just that the Hornets are beating the Magic. They're beating them handily. It's Orlando losing track of a guy like Malik Monk in the December 31st game. Or Michael Kidd-Gilchrist having a big game. But it all always comes down to Kemble Walker. No secret, Orlando's had issues at point guard. DJ Augustin, for as admirable as he's played is not a guy that's going to defend 
top-level point guards like Kemba Walker especially well. And so that's always been part of the struggle, is that Orlando can't contain Kemba Walker. And that's going to be the key, of course, in this game. The Magic have to find a way to keep Kemba Walker from getting others involved and to keep him from going off. Because he stirs that whole drink. On the year, Charlotte has been pretty mediocre. In fact, like they've been for the last several years, they break even on net rating. 110.5 offensive rating is 12th in the league. 110.5 defensive rating is 21st in the league. So they, they score a lot of points, but they'll give them up too. And so for kind of like that New Orleans game where, where New Orleans had a, a big start in Anthony Davis, and again, I know he didn't show up on, on Tuesday night, but if Orlando is able to get stops and, and play a modicum of defense like they have been, their top 10 defense in the league now, actually with results from Wednesday's game, Orlando is now ninth in the league in defensive rating at 108 points allowed per 100 possessions. Really, the only piece missing is the offense. If the Magic can, can score consistently, can get stops, they'll have a chance in this one. But it all comes down to staying calm, sticking to the game plan, guarding the three-point line, getting rebounds, which I'll talk about in a moment, and then stopping Kemba Walker. That's at the center of all of this. That's what all of this revolves around. And if the Magic want to find success, if the Magic want to have these, to, to play the way that they know they're playing and to get this win that feels so vital to their success, to feel so vital. I mean, just even from this standpoint, the Hornets have two wins over the Magic already. A win on Thursday clinches the season series, and that may not sound important, but guess what? Orlando's two games back of the Hornets. Even with a loss, they're three games back. You want to have that in your back pocket. You want to have that divi- that tiebreaker ready just in case you need it. I mean, remember when I talked about it with that Heat game, when the Magic played the Heat at home the, uh, uh, back in December. And I said, this is a big game. Orlando needs to win this game to win the tiebreaker. It's a huge game. It, all, it felt like a huge game. This game feels like a huge game too. Going into the All-Star break with so much momentum, building buzz about the team, and climbing to within reaching distance of a team you're chasing. This game has to be played at playoff intensity, folks. It's getting real for the Orlando Magic. That pressure they've wanted to feel, it's getting real. And for a stretch run that is going to be frantic, it's going to have its own ups and downs, like I've been saying all year. This is a big one. The Magic tip-off against the Charlotte Hornets at 7 o'clock at the Amway Center on Valentine's Day to close out the pre-All-Star break festivities of the season. They will actually be introducing Markel Fultz. He will be in the building, although I don't know if he'll be at the game. Um, He will be in the building. We'll have coverage of that on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic as well as coverage of the game itself. And of course, you can follow us online at omagicdaily as well as on orlandomagicdaily.com. Like I've been saying, though, that this this win streak's been a lot of fun. Um, it's not that just that that the Magic have been winning games. 
They've done that before, although not to this extent. It's not just that the Magic have strung together several wins in a row. It's that the Magic have done so impressively. Like I said, their their defense has risen to ninth in the league. They've got the ninth best defense in the league. It's been, the Magic haven't had a top 10 anything of significance, at least in the four factors, since Dwight Howard left. So the fact that we could sit here and say Orlando legit, I mean, statistically, I don't know if people would buy this, but statistically, the Magic have one of the very best defenses in the league. The fact that we could sit here and say that is a huge step in the right direction. And a lot of that's been built, it's been kind of going along all year. They've they've hovered at 12, 13. They've hovered right at the middle of the pack. But this last stretch of play over the last seven games has been a big reason for this surge. And it's come on both ends of the floor. And there's there's two things I want to talk about that goes behind this surge. I mean, the first thing we do have to recognize is that, yes, there are some strange circumstances to Orlando's winning streak. In the four games that they've won during this win streak, they played Minnesota, who's, you know, kind of an up-and-down team. That was a solid win. Give them credit for that win. On the road, they played Milwaukee without Giannis Antetokounmpo. They played... Atlanta, who's not a good team, although that back-to-back was extremely tough, and I think they deserve all the credit in the world. And then they played a New Orleans team with Anthony Davis playing at half speed, if that. If you want to nitpick this win streak, you certainly can, and and I think the team's approach after the game against New Orleans was absolutely right. This isn't anything to celebrate. This is what you have to do. But I do think we should pause and take note that, yes, Winning these games as dominantly as the Magic have has only added to the team's confidence. So, what is kind of in the formula for these wins? What's kind of in the formula for how the Magic have put together this win streak? I really think a lot of it starts at the the basic philosophy that Steve Clifford has. Like I said, Orlando's now a top 10 defensive team. Orlando's now you know, among the elite elite of defensive player, of defensive teams. So, again, don't discount this. Don't ignore that. But what's behind it? As I said, there are some basic philosophical things that underpin a Steve Clifford defense. It's the same things that underpinned a Stan Van Gundy defense and it's kind of been passed on through the Pat Riley tree. A big thing for all of those guys is to hold teams to one shot. Basketball 101. A defensive possession doesn't end until the defense secures a rebound. Giving up offensive rebounds, giving up second chance opportunities is a sure way to give up open shots even with the shortened shot clock. It, it means you're out of position and usually players and teams attack those gaps quickly. Giving up an offensive rebound is almost like giving up a, a transition opportunity. And I would venture to guess Orlando has been one of the best defenses outside of transition opportunities. Because when their defense is set, they get, they'll get the job done. For the season, Orlando is fourth in the league in defensive rebound rate. They grabbed 74.6% of all available rebounds. 
among the top 10 teams in the league in defensive rebound rate, very few are poor defenses. The San Antonio Spurs at 111.5 is, is the worst defense among that top 10. So the Magic do a really good job of limiting teams to one shot. And, and it was interesting, you know, you watch that game against New Orleans. And I think one of the things that was really impressive was when the Magic did give up offensive rebounds, they were there to quickly challenge any shot. Nikola Vucevic does a great job of repositioning himself if he misses a rebound to challenge the shot. And then does a really good job tipping the rebound away from an offensive player toward a teammate. I don't know if he actually gets credit for those rebounds, but he, but he does a really good job tipping rebounds around. And what's really kind of interesting about all the, and Orlando's rebounding, especially during this win streak, during this winning stretch, has been probably the most impressive part of this whole thing. It's it's Orlando is elite at this one thing. They are an elite defensive rebounding team. I, I, I can say that unequivocally. The statistics bear this out. But in the last four games, or in the last seven games, that rebounding has been even better. Except for that Minnesota game where Orlando had an abysmal 59.3 defensive rebound rate. Orlando's been strong on the defensive glass. In fact, accepting again that Minnesota game, Orlando's had a defensive rebound rate better than 75% in every game since the loss to Washington on January 25th, except for two. The loss at Oklahoma City and the win over Minnesota. Rebounding does not equate to, to winning all the time. That There is a small correlation. It is a stat that, that coaches will harp on, but you can survive without strong rebounding. But this team, this Magic team, with its narrow margin for error, with its you know lack of great scoring, with its you know good defense with a bunch of players who frankly aren't considered good defenders, this team can't afford those second chance points. They can't afford those mistakes. And so it's necessary for the team to be this good on the glass. Should also be noted as well, the Magic give up the fewest second chance points in the league. About 11 per game. So the Magic don't mess around. They lock down the glass. They take care of their business there. And that's a big key to their defense playing so well. Hold a team to one shot. Don't let them get a second bite at the apple. Don't let them get you off guard, out of position. And you'll win games. Or your defense will be good enough to help you win games. As it has been for this Magic team in the last eight, in the last seven outings. It's certainly an impressive run for Orlando. And, and again, one of the few things that statistically the Magic are not just good, but elite at. And even more impressive that Nikola Vucevic is really the only guy I think a lot of people would consider a really strong rebounder. It's it's a group effort. It's Evan Fournier helping on the glass. I think he has about four rebounds per game. It's Aaron Gordon still at about seven per game. Certainly would like to see him bump that up. I think that's that's a bit that's an area that he focused on toward the beginning of the year, uh, but hasn't done. And and 
being so good at this has allowed the Magic to make some tweaks. I think Steve Clifford has preferred the Magic to slow the pace down and kind of really value possessions just as a way of sort of limiting mistakes and limiting opportunities for the other team. Yeah, and that's why we're using the pace neutral stats. But now that, you know, there's a comfort level with everything that they're doing and, and they're rebounding so well, you see someone like Isaiah Briscoe come in and his goal is to push the pace a little bit more, to get the Magic into their offense a little quicker. Not necessarily more possessions, but get into the offense quicker. So continue to look for tweaks like that because the Magic know that they can rely on their rebounding on almost every night to give them a fair chance at a win if they can get stops, if they can, if they can get missed shots, which, again, they largely have. So what is that other factor? What is the other thing going for the Magic? In this win streak, and and if you follow this, if you follow this team at all, it should be fairly obvious. Against the New Orleans Pelicans on Tuesday, it was clear that their strategy was to dare Jonathan Isaac to beat them. The Pelicans saw Jonathan Isaac on the perimeter, and they, you know, didn't lay off him. I think they still challenged shots, but early on in the game, they were happy to let Jonathan Isaac hoist from three. And he missed his first two or three three-pointers. But that strategy hasn't been working for many teams of late. That strategy has backfired for a lot of teams. And what used to be perhaps Orlando's weakest link offensively is becoming a little bit more of a strength. It's been a slow process to get Jonathan Isaac up to NBA speed. No doubt, the injury last season essentially wiped away his rookie season, playing only 27 games with a huge 50-game gap in the middle. He never got into a rhythm. He never really got to feel what an NBA game felt like or what an NBA stretch felt like. This became his rookie season. And in fact, Jonathan Isaac has played only 79 games in his career. So you could argue he is still in his rookie season as far as games played. As An injury early in the season this year in November caused him to miss about six or seven games. And, of course, raised some doubt about him. Another ankle injury. Again, something random, but something that knocked him out for a long time just frustrated him because, you know, Isaac's a pretty quiet, pretty humble kid, but he wants to be out there playing. And when that was taken away from him through, again, something random that requires patience to recover from, it was certainly frustrating. I, I, I couldn't. I can imagine it's very frustrating for a player of his caliber to be to be sitting on the sidelines so much, especially when your class, your draft classmates are out there killing it. So it, it was always going to take Isaac some time to get comfortable in the league. But suddenly things have clicked. Offensively, Isaac is scoring more effectively. He's now scored ten or more points in seven of his last eight games. And against Minnesota, he had nine. In his last eight games from January 29th to today, he's averaging 13.9 points per game, 7.4 rebounds per game, 2.6 blocks per game, and 1.3 steals per game. His field goal percentage, which has always been a little shaky, has shot up to 45.5%. A big reason that it's so low is he's shooting 28.6% from beyond the arc. The 
defense's decision to leave him open from beyond the arc, still probably a good one. And in fact, Isaac's efficiency's been up and down, even through this strong stretch. But this stretch has been strong because Isaac is now a threat offensively. Isaac is willing to take that shot. It's been one of the weirder things, perhaps, in my analysis of Isaac, that there will be a shot that he takes, which is objectively a bad shot sometimes. And I'm happy he took it because I want that I want him to have the confidence to take those shots. Worry about shot selection later. Right now, get it, keep him involved in the flow of the offense, not forcing things, which he rarely does. So he, he knows and understands his role within the offense. He rarely makes a mistake as far as looking for his own offense or over-dribbling. It's always straight line drives or pull-ups. Stuff that's really within the flow. And the fact that he's more confident to take those and more comfortable to take those is a sign of how much he's matured. The skills The skill set will come. And we're seeing some of it. I mean, the 20-point game that he had uh, on Tuesday was super impressive. 16 of his 20 points in the first quarter. He That was coming off the heels of two 17-point games where he made a huge difference in the game. And it's not just the confidence that's flowing through him offensively. That confidence is flowing through him on the defensive end too. Like I said, 2.6 blocks per game. 2.6 blocks per game from a forward. He is becoming the Magic's rim protector. He's just so smart at at break of, of reading plays and getting to his spot that the Magic are putting a lot more trust in him on both ends of the floor. And a guy who, for a long time, honestly, and, and I got this request from people saying, you know, why are the Magic still starting Isaac? And I'm like, you know, you need a low-usage guy. I mean, you can't. everyone can't have the ball in their hands. Ross really works well with that second unit, but... Isaac's no longer that kind of throw-in guy. I mean, he still kind of plays that role, and I think even Steve Clifford said he's, he's trying to find ways to get him the ball more because he's earned that right. But this turnaround from Isaac, this emergence from Isaac, has been as much a key to the magic success in the last two weeks. Because without that, the magic are certainly short an X-factor. You know, Evan Fournier did say at the beginning of the season, Jonathan Isaac is our X-factor. How he plays is going to determine the potential that we have. And so now that he's playing at this high level, we are indeed seeing the potential the Magic have. Isaac's been really exciting to watch. There's just no doubt about this. And the Magic have been patient with him. They, They knew they'd have to be. But they never really changed his role they kept putting him in positions to succeed. They they kept growing and expanding his role, and, and he is flourishing as they give him more to do. And the next step, of course, is defenses are going to adjust to him eventually. They're going to force someone else to beat them. But the Magic have done a good job bringing Isaac along, and Isaac has taken advantage of this opportunity. Now that he's comfortable, now that he's confident... He's playing at the level that we would expect from him as a rookie. You know, I think there is a real chase for him to get to 10 points per game on the season. And I think that would be a really good goal if, if he can do so efficiently. But undoubtedly, 
his awakening, his emergence, has been as much a key to the Magic's run so far. And we're excited to see what he can do next. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including the Markel Fultz press conference, which we'll hear from him for the first time uh, on Thursday morning, check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. And of course, stay tuned to the podcast tomorrow as well. We'll also have a recap of the Magic's game against the Charlotte Hornets. That'll be at 7 o'clock at the Amway Center as we close out the quote-unquote first half of the NBA season, or actually three-quarters of the way through the NBA season, but nobody really cares about that. As the All-Star break comes to Charlotte this weekend, we'll talk about that on Monday as well. Show note as well, I'll probably take Tuesday off of the, of the podcast, give myself an All-Star break, but we will definitely talk about Nikola Vucevic's trip to Charlotte, what we saw from him and the sights and sounds from the Queen City uh, as well. The, as the Magic have a reason to care about the All-Star break this year and certainly have a reason to care as the season rolls on. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. Boo the woo. Go Becky Lynch. We'll see you all tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.